0: An A&E original podcast. I have a secret. Go. Your girl can't dance. Yes, you can! No, I can tell you the moment I realized. I was like 22 and I was like, you don't have rhythm. Hey, y'all.
1: Welcome to The Table is the podcast where we discuss all things Black identity, from Black success to Black achievement and Black vulnerability, we discuss it all at this table because the table is ours. With me today is my favorite co-host, Ms. <laughs> Amira Lawali. Hey, girl. Hey, boo. If Amira were an anthem, she would be "We Found Love" by Rihanna because I feel like that is such a moment. That's my song. <laughs> Fist pumping, <laughs> arms raising. That has your energy written all over it, girl.
0: That is my energy. And you know what dance I do to that song? I do that, like, white girl sway to it. Da-da-da. It comes natural to that song. Not the Harry Styles, wispy in the wind sway. <laughs> wispy in the wind? i become a wispy in the wind girl. A be in the wind girl automatically. I see it. I see it. (laughs) And this is my amazing co-host, Kirby Dixon. Hey, girl. Hey. If Kirby were an anthem, she'd be also a Rihanna anthem. Duh. It'd be, bitch, but I have my money for so many reasons. Let me tell you. Hey. Kirby's energy is queen of like, pay me what you owe me. Yes. You better come correct. We can chill, but come correct.
1: Yes. (laughs) Love it. Love it.
0: And you know, I have to ask you every week the same question. How are you? Ooh, girl, I am good this week. You want to know why? Why?
1: Because I figured out at the end of quarantine, a quarantine hack. And you know what that is? What is it? Taking dance breaks in the middle of the day. You just get up, you blast your favorite song. And you just do a little jig for about five minutes, I promise you. It's like an instant mood booster.
0: Kirby, is that what you're doing between meetings when I can't reach you? Like, is that what you're doing when you don't answer? Absolutely. (laughs) I'm getting my dance
1: on, girl. I got to shake away all the bad juju happening throughout the week.
0: (laughs) Noted. Anytime Kirby does not answer, she's pop, lock, and dropping it. Yes. Noted. I see it. Yes.
1: That is it. (laughs) That is the quarantine hack I'd like to share with you and everyone else that's listening out there because I promise you. Ooh. It'll instantly lift your day. But I would like to clarify, am I a dancer? No. Do I love to dance? Yes. Liar.
0: A big, resounding yes. You know, I think it's actually insulting that you constantly say, I'm a little dancer, I'm not a singer, when you literally do both. It is so insulting to us that are tone deaf and uncoordinated. So You know what, sis? How lucky am I to have
1: a friend who thinks so highly of me? (laughs) Because how you see me and how I see myself do not match. But that's okay. That's what we have friends for.
0: You know who else loves dance? Who? Your sister in dance girl, <laughs> Susan Kelechi Watson. Yes,
1: Susan was so amazing. You know her from Louie. You know her from The Blacklist. You know her from Law & Order. But perhaps, most notably, you know her as the iconic... The beautiful, the incredible portrayal of
0: Miss Beth on NBC's This Is Us. Beth is my girl. She is such a mood. But you know what? (laughs) Susan is my girl too now. We talked black love. We talked spirituality. We talked about her top five MCs of all time. Yes, Susan the rapper. Susan the rapper. Susan Kelechi Watson. Let's get it. We are so excited to speak with you. I don't think we could, like, I can't even explain it. <laughs> Perfect timing, also. Oh, nice, nice. Happy to be here, man. This is awesome. Thanks for coming. And I I don't want to fan out too much too early, so I'm just going to dive into our first question. I am taming myself for you, Susan, so please know that.
2: Listen to you. I'm here for all of it. I'm here
0: yeah, for. Yeah, don't it. worry if we start crying in the middle of the interview. <laughs> it will come. But we like to start every episode the same and ask the same question because this last year has been a lot. Mm-hmm. All of us have kind of gone through it in different ways. So, how yeah. are you? How are you doing?
2: uh better. That's that's the word of the year. Better. That's good. Last year was a lot. You know, was sh- last year into this year actually because I think it may have hit me even harder this year, the, every, the pandemic and, you know, everything that we kind of had to go through and adjust to, but because I don't know, maybe there was a sense of last year, like maybe it'd be over or, you know, or something, but when you're in it for a while, you know, it wears on you in a different way. Right. So there was that. And then there was there were so many events last year that were just, you know, crippling in a lot of ways and compounded with the pandemic, but so many wonderful things too. So there was this yin and yang going on last year. So I can't like discount last year at all. Like I, it wasn't what I would mark as like a terrible year, but it was definitely a year with some terrible events, right?
1: Yeah, right.
2: But this year, it was just time's up. I was like, um, <laughs> how long are we about to be up in the pandemic, you know, and I just <laughs> felt like, it's time to, you know, with the vaccination, and you know, and being on on the show and and working through a pandemic and shooting a film through a pandemic and and all of these things really teaches you like what really goes into being safe and how to protect yourself and get through something becomes the minutia of the day, like it's every little thing that you do. So I'm speaking to you from perspective now. Where I'm saying it's better. It's better.
1: (laughs) Good. That's all we can ask for. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny. I think Amir and I both just go day by day, hour by hour. So for you Mm -hmm. saying better, yeah. That's how we feel too. So we, we totally understand and appreciate that. Yeah. We have so much to talk to you about. We wanna know you and we wanna know about the characters that you portray as well. But we're gonna start it off giving a huge shout out to Howard University where you graduated hey, from hey, <laughs> <laughs> for undergrad yeah and we actually just saw Felicia Rashad's incredible news about becoming the dean of fine arts for Howard yeah. but for your MFA program you actually transitioned to going to NYU so just wondering you know having graduated an undergrad from an HBCU how did Howard prepare you for the real world and what was that transition going from an HBCU to a predominantly white institution for grad school
2: yeah, there was definitely a shift in terms of like, because, you know, Howard and and DC itself at that time, it's up until recently, it was, you know, a very chocolate city. So <laughs> it was, um, and, and, and not for nothing, everywhere I grew up before then was that. So it was the first time in a long time that I was a minority at going into NYU. But I will say that Howard really prepared me in terms of, A confidence in self, because it it helped me to know myself deeper. I think when you begin to learn where you came from and understand uh, who you are culturally, where you are, like who you are in the diaspora of of the whole thing, it gives you a a different perspective, you know, Uh, a perspective that is not normally offered. And so I came into NYU, honestly, with a lot of confidence. I was just, um, they used to comment on it. They're like, how are you just walking up in here so confident? But I didn't even think about it. Like, to me, in my mind, I wasn't like, I'm mad confident coming up into NYU. Like, they just got to <laughs> give me give me mine, you know? And it, it, it as wasn't they should. That. It, <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't that for me. It really, it, I didn't think of it that way. It just felt as it should be, you know? And I don't know if that threw people off, you know? Yeah. I guess they feel, you know, as a, as a very young 20 something that you're supposed to be, you know, a certain type of way. I don't know what it was. I'm not going to put words in people's mouths, but, but I do know that the groundwork happened, happened at Howard.
0: Let's go back even further. How did you get into acting? Like, how did you know that that was your lane? You know, I said a prayer about it. I'm, you know,
2: super um, spiritual. So I pray about everything. Right. And Mm -hmm. I said a prayer about it when I was like three years old. Like I was like, kind of on my bed in Brooklyn, kind of, you know, doing like this with your legs against the bed, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just felt in my spirit of like, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? And I just, I just, I, you know, I want to be an entertainer. You know, I, I, that's what I want to do. And I danced, which I love. I love that form of expression. And I love to sing But I'm not one of the best singers, you know, and I wasn't one of the best dancers, though. I did those things. Well, I did those things well or to an extent well enough. Do you know what I mean? But when it came into acting, it was like, "Mm, no, this feels right. Like it was like the right shoes to walk through the journey in, you know, and it kept being affirmed. Like along the way, it just kept being affirmed. Nobody was like girl, that's the only thing you wanna do. You know, I never got <laughs> I never got that. And also there was something just in me, in my spirit that was like, you didn't even have to tell me. I, mm-hmm. I felt like, oh, okay. Yeah, I know that this, this is what it is. So I still enjoy doing those other things as well and primarily dance, you know? but it became, it, it's, it's the acting for me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I am always so envious of people that know what they want to do that early on. Cause that was not my reality. Like yeah. I was still navigating after college. Like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? I knew I wanted to work in media and work in television, but it was like, okay, what in media and television do you want to do? So thank you for sharing that. I don't want to take you back to your three-year-old self, but do you remember what that prayer was? It wasn't even a prayer.
2: It was just a listening. It was a listening, and sometimes that's that's it more than anything, right? It's like listening and responding. Sometimes we feel like we have to to say, and sometimes it's more about receiving, right? So it was it was definitely a receptive moment, and I think as a child it is probably the most precious time that that could happen because you're so not inundated with all the voices that say I don't know where that came from
1: exactly yeah
2: you know what I mean like you you can't do
1: that yeah right all the cynicism
2: you know I didn't have any so I would like to tell you that the first reality shows happened in my mind in the 80s because I really was like I would walk out of my bedroom and go into my family's living room and whatever was going on you know it's like six or seven of us you know so whatever was going on I made it in my mind into a TV show. Like we were just having this reality show. And so it was all a scene to me. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. Yeah, and then I would go into my room and it was the first confessional. Like I would go into the room (laughs) and talk about like, did you see what just happened with my brother?
1: Oh, you were born for this. (laughs) Yeah, born
2: star. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it just became in my brain and it was just so... And mind you, I, I thought I was going to do a lot of things between them because I didn't have an example in my life of anybody who was doing that. And, um, you know, my, my, my family and everything wanted me to be secure in a, a real job. And so they knew that I could write or, you know, other things. So they were trying to get me in that lane. And I sort of went in that lane and, but I was so unhappy. It just, it just unfolded the way it had to unfold. But, you know, it's timing for for me, three, for you, you know, after college, it, it is what it is, as long as it happens, you know?
0: Amen to that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So question, <laughs> at three, you knew what you wanted, but like, when was the first time you actually saw someone that looked like you on TV and was like, oh, I can do this?
2: Oh, the first time I was like, I can do this. Wow. I don't know if I said it like that, but I will tell you the people who made me want to do it. Mm-hmm. I think it was that whole era of like, from Cosby to different world to, to Martin, to,
0: yes. it was like that
2: whole, you know what I mean? It like was, yes. the golden age. The yes. golden age of black television. Yes. <laughs> it really was. Cause I was like, oh God, like I remember episodes And, and being a kid, like with my brother, like my younger brother and us watching things and like jumping up and like cheering. And like, it was, it was, I remember going to school and, and retelling Martin jokes, you know what I'm saying? Like to my homegirl, like, like we made it up, you know, we were in the hallways doing it, like we made it up and it was that type of influence. It just felt so real.
1: Yeah, I think that's so beautiful because we talk about the importance of representation on television all of the time. And it's those moments and those types of shows where you realize, like, wow, it's almost like you're looking at a reflection or a mirror of your own household. And there's just so many things you innately relate to without even realizing, like, wow, this was written for television. But how significant is it for you to be able to see yourself on TV and your family on TV.
2: Yeah. And be able to like react and respond and just also like have the community to talk about it. Everybody wanted to talk about it. And, you know, it was, it was a really cool celebratory thing that we didn't realize we were celebrating, but you know, at the end you
0: were, yeah. Before we move on, I kind of want to get into your spirituality. And I love that you said that you kind of have, shared it like since you were three and it's been part of you do you take that into work with you is that something that you separate like is it that something that's spoken about like on every set you know what no I, I I'm a Christian and I I always personally
2: felt like there was this sense of like you have to say and do and be it and people need to know and you have to and I never found myself fitting into that mold so I always kind of felt like yo if I if I really do practice that in my life if I can just be a reflection of it, Mm -hmm. you know, then I think that may be the route that I want to go. It's just in me, it's just like the skin I'm in, you know, it's just, it kind of just is what it is. It comes with the territory, I guess, is the best way to say, you know, so uh, there's no separation. There's no separation. It all goes into everything. And even if I play somebody who's not, you know, then it still will inform whatever I do, because I'm going to do it in a way that is honest, and so that people can get a reflection of who they are and maybe a better understanding of who they are. And I think that that's a gift. I think that that's something that's divine. You have to trust that people can learn from anything. You can't dictate what people learn from. You know we're we're shot we, you know we've been put into a world where a lot of things happen, and you can have any interpretation of anything you know? So I feel like I wasn't shot into a Christian world. So like, you know what I mean? We're here to decipher it for ourselves and we have the freedom to do that. So I don't want to take that from anybody either. But my prayer beforehand would be that I pray that I'm like a a truthful reflection, you know, so that somebody can see something in this that feels honest.
1: There's such a grace and just like a loveliness that you portray, not only in your own life, like when we're looking, you know, watching your social media and seeing the way in which you're dancing and having fun on social media, but also in the way that you portray Beth on This Is Us, which is we adore her. Beth
0: is my home girl, okay? Beth is home girl,
1: mom, sister, friend, confidant. She is everything. She's it. And she's been it from the beginning, which is rare.
0: Sometimes I'm like, what would Beth do? (laughs) Because I gotta like tame it back. So (laughs) wondering as we kind of
1: pivot into the This Is Us conversation, how did you land that role? And what an iconic role to be playing on television now?
2: Yeah, I landed it through an audition, to tell you the truth. Like it was just uh, like your regular pilot audition, you know, and that's
1: crazy because Beth is not regular. She's not a regular
2: <laughs> <character>. <laughs> it was just a regular audition, and like I went in and did it. I kept getting callbacks, and then finally, they wanted me to come out to LA and and read with Sterling, and I did that. And then it was after that that I got the the call that I got it. But I felt when I did it, I left it all on the table. And Beth only started out as two scenes. I really didn't even know who she was, you know, and, and I'm not sure that they fully knew who she was. So it was, it was a lot of once I became the character of, of us developing, you know, who she is.
0: I'm going to sidetrack. My love for Beth came immediately, but I remember the exact moment that I was like, that's my girl. And it Uh was when Kate's character, you could tell that she was like intimidated by how great Beth was. (laughs) I said, Ooh, a queen. I said, I need this level yeah. of intimidation. I want people to be like, I am nervous. I'm like, yes, you
1: are. Nervous. <laughs> and She's literally just being herself. Her authentic, beautiful queen self.
2: I, I like that people, you know, feel like, you know, they can look at Beth and think, yeah, that's my sis. Like, I, I would want to know her or, or be friends with her because she's like a reflection of so many different women in my life that I've known, that I've seen. So many different mothers, just women who are on their grind in life, people who have dreams and hopes. She's just this, this compilation of so many things in life. She and I are like, we don't live the same life at all. You know, I don't have anything similar to <laughs> in my life, but it's a compilation of there's things that I've learned that I feel like, oh, that's this character and just felt right for her. You know, mm, yeah. it just felt right for her. And I've played a lot of, of course, you know, different women throughout my career, but none of them have been like her and she hasn't been like any of the others, you know, it's just the kind of the way she came out. So it's really cool to hear that. I I love it. I love that people identify with her and like, you know, and, and like we do it for the culture. We do it for every part of it, you know, whatever it is, we're always looking like for what's going on in the world right now and how people are feeling now and how to say that again in like an honest way without judgment, you know <laughs> You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, both Amir and I were watching the episode last night and it was so funny because I'm always so interested in how these productions have been navigating and pulling from the world in which we're living now and the pandemic and things like that. So even seeing Beth going through the close of dance oh school gosh, and how yeah. you're teaching digitally and how the class starts from, 10 students then whittles down to three students Mm -hmm. like it's just really impressive and this is us and I think you in particular in portraying Beth have done such a beautiful job at like literally making her a real person she feels real she is real thank
2: you thank you so much yeah that's the goal I think this is goal it's funny every time I think what's the goal of the show I just go back to the title I'm like oh this is us all right so (laughs) we gotta be us you know what I mean like we gotta be us all right let's do that So I'm I'm so happy. I can't tell you. It never gets old. And we've been hearing it for like five years. And that's not to say we've been hearing it for five years. You know what I mean? Also,
0: hype it up. That's what it is. (laughs)
1: You have. You do it. (laughs) <laughs> talk that talk girl
2: yeah. <laughs> so, it's the same we've been hearing it for five years and it still hasn't gotten no. it still hasn't become like I know you know it's like man I can't believe people are still saying this five years later and it's and it's still as cool as it was so as much as we can it's going to be that until the wheels fall off
0: yeah. So just to go back a little bit, we both read that before you booked this as us, you were kind of at a breaking point and you were gonna go off to Montreal.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Montreal is nice. <laughs> it's so nice. But was that kind of a moment where you were like, Oh, I'm done with acting? And we're asking because it was about a week ago, we spoke to Uzo from Orange New Black and she booked Orange New Black right before right right before her, her breaking, breaking point where she was like, I'm yeah. done.
2: I'm done. Yeah.
0: What was that breaking Oof. point like for you?
2: Terrible. It's just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> because you're like, oh, the dreams dashed. And then you're like, what am I going to do now? Like, I've literally spent my whole life gearing towards this and it didn't happen. I mean, how dare we think life stops after college or grad school or, you know what I mean, 30 or what God forbid. Like, it just keeps going. You know what I mean? It just keeps going. Stuff keeps happening. And sometimes, you know, the secret is it, it can actually gets better as you go. So, you know, not everything is like behind you. But it's hard to think that when you don't know that. And when you've tried so hard for so long, which is where I was at. I was just like, yo, I've I've been doing this for just too long. Somebody gonna have to convince me this side because I can't and yeah. and I had to call people and you know have people in community around me who who believed when I just didn't have the energy to, you know, that's always important to have people who can keep speaking what it's supposed to be over you and to you while you don't have the energy and then i i was auditioning for my very good friend's play and i was learning that i didn't get the part because my audition was so bad and (laughs) (laughs) it was bad i don't even know what happened don't ask me (laughs) <laughs> and then I got a beep on the other line as I'm talking to her about how bad it was. And I was like, hold on, girl, let me just get this other line. And I took clicked over. I'm like, hello. And they're like with the last breath of my body. And they're like, oh, we just wanna let you know you have a pin in you for the untitled Dan Fogelman Project. I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> quit back over. And I was like, girl. And I went back into this whole thing about how terrible that audition was. And on the other line, they're telling me, <laughs> your life's about to change. And I like, I don't know. You know, so you just, you just don't know. You just don't know.
1: Susan, are there unique challenges that Black women face specifically trying to break into the industry that perhaps your other counterparts that are going out for these different roles don't have to face?
2: I definitely felt it a lot in, in, in coming up and going through in this business. Definitely. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if I went out more than like three, four times for pilot season or something, I'd be like, wow, they sent me out like a white girl. Like this is, cool. <laughs> you know? And yeah. meanwhile, my white counterparts, you know, were going out like three, four times a week. And I sometimes was literally going out three or four times the entire pilot season. And half of that was for parts that says, you know, non-specific racial type or cultural type, like, Mm -hmm. and then they inevitably went with, you know, specifically went with white. And so Mm -hmm. it was really challenging. What I love now is that so many of us are on the producing side. So many of us are on the directing side. And so it's beginning to shift and, and people are understanding that people long for stories about black people. They, they want to know in the same way, like, I want to see Minari and I want to see like shows about, you know, the Asian community. Like I'm curious, like, it's, it's not just us, exactly. you know, I, mean, I know what's going on over here too. Yeah. So um, those things really interest me. There was a short limited series and it was called unorthodoxed
0: oh i love that Netflix loved it right because you never get Mm -hmm. to see i was deep into that world deep it was such yeah it was so good and it was also like a world where like i was living in Brooklyn at the time so i was like i just like obviously i've seen this community but i didn't know anything about the practices and enough about it so I was like, thank you for giving me that glimmer in. Unorthodox was so good.
2: Yeah, and, and like me, of course, being from Brooklyn, living right up against that community or in the same community, you never, you, don't, you still don't know because they're so secretive about that life and seeing that. So the assumption that people outside of our culture would not be curious was silly to me. I was like, well, this don't make no sense. You know, I, I don't understand. Are we the only curious ones? And are we only placating to what white people want to see? Is that the totality of what's going to happen in entertainment? So it's something that I feel really passionate and really strongly about is bringing these stories to life just so that we get the full range of what's, what's out here in the world and what's going on.
0: Do you feel like that's shifted in the last few years that we're able to tell different versions of our stories? Because for me, I feel like we're finally able to see different versions of black
1: And that's Mm -hmm. finally
0: going to move forward. Like whether it's Insecure or Michaela Cole being like super cringy. And I'm like, yes, cringy black girl, do you? Yes, (laughs) euphoria. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. Now we're getting all this stuff. Like I remember when, you know, it was so limited. And so one person came out and it didn't represent every black person. It was like, tear them down. No, da, da, da. And it's like, well, no, let them live. And like, we just need more people to come out with some different stories. Like, but that's the valid stories. So people like it, you know, um, he, they, you know, that opportunity should be there. So now that there's so many different ones, that's the role that we, we have to stay on is, and, and the people are responding, people are responding. And I'm telling you, nothing says it louder than people putting money behind it. Nothing says it louder than yeah. fan bases and people coming out to support because that people can't Say no to numbers. You can't deny that. You can't deny money. You know what I mean? You can't deny it that people are willing to say, Yeah, I'll pay for that. I'll go see that. People are talking about it on social media. People are talking about it to their friends. People are like, What? That should have been nominated. Why not? That, you know, all that conversation just begins to validate exactly what we've been saying for so many years.
1: Exactly. And it's great now that you guys are building the table for each other. Actors are becoming, like you're saying, producers and directors. And if, you know, networks and these big companies are not making the content that we know we want to see and audiences want to see, then the creatives themselves are going to start making the content. And I'm so excited for us to get to a place where, you know, we're not sending and agents aren't sending roles to, their talent because they think they fit a mold right i want to see susan as the love interest of the sitcom i want to see susan as wonder woman because she can be that and is that that's what i'm so excited for me
2: too me too yeah yeah that, that's exactly the thing yeah it's like as much as i love beth you don't do it to stop at Beth. she's just one of the people you know yeah. but as an as an actor it's like yeah no Marvel or, yeah, no, comedy or rom-com, yeah, no, you know, lawyer or agent or, you know what I mean, spy, whatever it is, all of that, you know, that's 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 all in the bag, too.
1: We do have a, a little bit of a silly question for you, and it's an observation that we made on This Is Us. Uh-huh. So normally, and we're getting better at it now, but normally the wigs on Black women in Hollywood, they still have a long way to go. <laughs> However, on This Is Us, this family, you all slay all of the time. Y'all's is always great. It's always great. And This Is Us (laughs) is the first show that I've really recognized where it's the opposite. So the white talent on the show (laughs) always aren't that great.
0: (laughs) No. Rebecca. Okay, look. Rebecca as an older. (laughs) Look, look, look. Rebecca has grown on me. But I feel, I genuinely feel like her hair is a punishment for what she did to Randall. That's true. That's why I'm like, no. okay, girl. So her wig, her wig as she older, I'm like, mm, you deserve that. No, <laughs>
2: I, I always think her wigs look so good. Really? You know what? Here's, I will say this. I will say this. Sometimes it depends on like, because wigs are so sensitive, right? If you get the wrong backlighting or whatever, it's just, it ruins like the illusion of it. So it's it. There's a lot of different things that go into it. I I do love her wig, and I I thought y'all were gonna say, oh, we all equal up in here, but whoop.
0: no, we noticed. There's
2: something for Rebecca's wig with in here. No,
0: <laughs> you guys are slaying the whole show. I, yes, and I also noticed like they switch y'all's hair up like black a women lot. do. Mm-hmm. You, so are your hair and makeup artists black?
2: Yes, when I came on the show that was not the case by the second season, it became the case and I'm grateful that they heard me. you know mm-hmm. what I mean when mm-hmm. I asked and for me, I did my hair a lot the first season and nobody you know it was I didn't make, it wasn't a thing you yeah, know what I mean it was yeah. like I thought this is what we this is what we did so long anyway yeah. you just kind of take care of it yourself but then it it, it felt like all right but that but that shouldn't be so let's let's do this and everybody, was so generous about that. So I, I definitely don't want that to come off like a judgment. I really did have people who supported that decision and made it happen like that. No, me, yeah. no, no joke. And I know a lot of people don't have that. So big up to, to Dan and all the execs and, and everybody who listened in my head of hair, Michael writes and all you people were like, no, like Michael goes to the community and goes, gets my wigs. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> Renee Green, who does my wigs and my hair, she preps them, she does all the things. And she is somebody that we brought on after trying a few folks out to do hair, who does my hair. And then there's Jameka who was doing the the girl's hair because I was like, if, if Beth is laid, we got to get the girls laid too. So, yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> the girls are always laid. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they were very amenable to bringing somebody on for the girls as well. And so for me, switching up the hair was something that I did as a shout out just a silent little shout out to black women I knew if we saw it we'd be like oh
1: yeah I, you know that's, that's what we do
2: you know what I mean
1: so we saw it
2: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah real recognized
0: real yeah real recognize real. yeah it's like gay recognized game I was like yeah, they don't exactly. say nothing. they are gonna be like all right yeah we yes. see that <laughs> even the bonnet I love a good bonnet appreciation
2: that was an incorporation and I and I'd seen people begin to dabble with that and I was like like, that's real. Like, I, people need to know, like, yeah, like, th- this is, it's beautiful. What grows out of our head naturally is beautiful. And this is kind of what we do to protect it and to to do our thing. And I was just talking to Dan last night, uh, our showrunner and our creator, about how the whole hair thing started for me. And I, the audition that I did, I came in and I had just, nah, this was a couple of years after. So I went, <laughs> I cut it all off in twenty. Thirteen, I went completely natural, and I got the audition like 2015. And so I had curly, um, thick—don't get it twisted—curly, uh, <laughs> you know, hair. And I had kind of scooped it all up and put it like in a curly bun at the top of my head for the audition. By the time I got out to LA, I had these long braids, and I said, I just kind of went to the reading like, all right, well, listen, if they see me and they say take it out. And just take it out, you know, but if they see me and say, oh, that's cool. And this could be a different side of Beth, I wanted them to, cause we didn't know who she was yet as a character. So I just was like, hey, play with it, you know? And I went to the read through and I remember walking in and, and I, I had on like this, this whole outfit, it just did not look like Beth, but it was very like, <laughs> suit, right. And so they saw me and they looked at me and they're like, he looks really nice. And I was like, thank you. And I'm telling y'all, that was the green light I needed. I I never asked again. I never said anything. I just every week changed it, and nobody said anything.
1: I love that.
2: And I remember my showrunner told someone in the writers' room that he, he like enjoyed every week wondering like what Beth was going to do right <laughs> here. <laughs> and I. Then, we joke that Dan Fogelman knows more about Black hair than he ever thought
0: he would good. in his life. I love a good lesson. Yeah, he knows so much about it now.
1: <laughs> you learn how to compliment and how when not to say anything. Else. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that because, I mean, there's so much as Black women, our hair is a big part of our identity. And I'm so happy that even in you speaking up and having a showrunner who recognizes that if I'm going to portray a real Black family on this show, the hair just comes with that. That's a part of the conversation. That's a part of portraying true figures on screen. And there's so many shows out there now that unfortunately don't show black women in their true light or black families in their true light, right? They don't look at us as, I don't want to say human beings because that's not the case all the time anymore, but they don't show us as multifaceted as we really are. So wondering in portraying Beth, did you feel like a weight or a pressure with portraying a black woman in a black family in a
0: multifaceted way. Not at all. That's good to hear. Not at all. Good, you don't deserve any of that stress.
2: <laughs> no, 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 you know, I'm you know, like for real, for real, it's the job that we have is actors. And yes, there's a certain presentationalness nature mm-hmm. to it. Cause you know, whatever, you got to act for people but you can't take the people in with you while you act, you know, cause then you just, you can't do, you can't do it. It's like, that's a great lesson. You know what I mean? So I, not at all. It was just, I felt like as long as we remain truthful, all that's going to be there. You don't have to overthink representation. I'm never going to walk into a room and not be black. And I'm very aware of that. Yes. So whatever comes out my mouth is something about the complexity of black people anytime, any day. So why do I need, I don't need to think about that. That's just something you walk in and you, you just are. Exactly. So anything that you just are Enjoy that, let that be, let that sit. You don't even have to overthink that. It's the other stuff I got to do. And now I got to think why is she going to the store when she really wants to have this conversation with Randall? That's the stuff I'm (laughs) thinking about. You know what I mean? But being a complex Black woman, nah, you're going to get that comes with it.
1: Yeah, I think that's good for us to know too because I feel like sometimes Amir and I, even being on the corporate side of the television industry, there's so much weight and pressures at times and feeling like we need to put the entire culture on our back. Yeah. But now as I've gotten older and I'm growing, in my career, I feel like I'm just navigating this world as myself and whatever I can do to make it a little bit easier for someone that looks like me to get their foot in the door or see representation as hopefully a future executive or whatever it may be in this industry, then we are doing our job, sis. We are doing, we are exactly where we're supposed to be.
0: Absolutely, sis. That's it. But I'll be honest. I'm still at that point where I'm like, <laughs> like, I, like, we could ask questions for everything that is Black because there's not many of us on this side of the industry as well. And I'm in that space where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm Amira, who happens to be Black. Like, I live my life. But then if someone asks me a question, I immediately go to every single group chat and be like, I can't speak for every Black person, and I don't want to get this wrong. (laughs) And it's a little stressful.
1: (laughs) Well, but that's that's a learning. That's a teaching for those people asking you those questions should do the same. I go to my group chats for a lot of things. My, you know, my perspective is we're not monolithic. I think everyone knows that at this point. So... They got to learn to go to the group chats too. Go to the study groups. I don't know.
0: Shout out to the group chats for <laughs> <laughs> they really hold getting us, down. us through work every day. <laughs> right,
1: right. Exactly
2: that. But you know, your your opinion is can be what it is. And guess what? Because it came out of your mouth, that's a part of, you know, a, again, the whole, it's a part of the whole, right? Yeah. And then you can do your due diligence if you feel like, but you know what? I want to check in because I want to see what the majority is saying on a particular issue then you can do your due diligence. But like to feel like, man, yo, oh, I got to make sure every time I speak, like I got it right for the people. That's heavy. Yeah. I think that's just, it's taking on something that I don't know that any one person can do anyway. You know, I feel like the fact that you guys are doing this and being here and I get to come on and be like, all right beautiful sense of her, you know what i mean
1: and like we at the table like that in
2: itself is a moment you know that resonates oh
1: that makes me feel so good i know it made me so happy because that's what we did it for yeah
2: and the skin is popping and we didn't even go there yet i mean we're gonna get there i we
0: mean there. we skin. can talk about it if you want to talk about
1: it yes. <laughs> I, can.
0: I can't. I must know. I must know the secret. Anyway, we'll talk. We will. I know. I'm like when you popped up, I was like, I need to ask for your student routine. But I was trying to stay focused. Hello, I like, and hair regimen. Hair, like I was like, you just look so good. Like, oh, nice. <laughs> teach me your ways because quarantine has been very hard. Quarantine has. I had to like grow up.
2: <laughs> oh, it's been rough. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I have to get rid of
2: quarantine face for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Just wondering and to broaden it out a little bit into the the industry a bit more, but one of the things that we love about this is us is they seem to do having really complicated conversations and themes on screen really, really well. And so wondering like what kinds of combos do you think we're seeing on television now that are important to be had and how do we continue to kind of move the conversation forward from your perspective?
2: I think conversations without judgment are important to be had that's one of the things that the show does a lot it's like how do we have this conversation and me not be judging you while i'm having it and me not be kind of judging myself like let's let's be like all right let's assume that i love you and you love me so we're gonna take that off the table let's assume that i respect you it might not be love it's respect let's assume i respect you and you respect me let's talk from that perspective rather than like I don't even respect what you're talking about. And now you have to earn my respect on top of proving to me why you even have this feeling or what. So you can't even get to a conversation because people like, well, now I'm looking at the way you're not respecting
0: me. So I can't even hear what you're saying. I always hear disrespect first. You're so right. I hear disrespect first. I'm always like, that sounds like a two. Right. And that's all I care about. (laughs)
2: It's tone, right? Like you always hear how people say something.
1: Yes, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's how you say
2: it. And like I'm super addicted to like unsung, unsung Hollywood, unsung anything. And like what's the other one? It's not unsung. It's um Uncensored and all this kind of stuff, and I was hearing
1: uncensored. Yep.
2: Yeah, I love those shows. And Jaleel White was just talking about, you know, when people call him Erkel, he's like, "I'm listening to you say Erkel. How you say Erkel? You know what I mean? Like, what exactly. is your <laughs> thought behind it? And like,
1: is it a nerdy inflection or right? <laughs> or like,
2: oh, you were that dude? And like, so I feel like our show has conversations that people normally would find hard because they don't like to walk into those conversations vulnerable. Yeah, You don't want to be vulnerable and have the race conversation. You want to come in, heavy the armor artillery. If these people say one thing, it's, it's about to go down. You know, like that's the way we walk into a lot of things. And when you have a family, that's very destructive. So it's about people who are saying, yeah, we can have this conversation and I'm gonna let you know how it hurt me. And I'm gonna let you know what you need to do and how maybe we can, try to move forward i'm not saying it's fixed but this is how maybe we can move forward
1: yeah coming from a place of empathy
2: mm-hmm. yeah and, and
1: understanding and honesty and no and i might not get it right but guess what this is a conversation that we need to yeah. have because this is how i'm feeling
2: yeah this is how i feel and i'm not gonna like bring any other of the the stuff that can kind of pull us apart into it exactly which is hard you know it's a really there's a certain amount of saying like this is ideally the way we'd like to do it Right. But at least if you throw that into the conversation, people can see an example of like, hey, there is a way to have those conversations. And the show is so influential in that way that it has helped many people and families come together because they saw the show do it.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: They show an example of it on the show. Yeah.
0: So I love that. And I also, what else has done so well on this is us, and this is where I'll be really honest. When this is started, I didn't realize I was going to have like a great portrayal of black love consistently. Like yeah. I didn't know that I was like, then the first episode I said, voila, here, like, <laughs> here it comes. So yeah. you mentioned having no pressure earlier, like of have, you didn't feel the pressure to portray Beth as multifaceted. Did you feel any pressure to portray black love a certain way?
2: we don't feel pressure. We enjoy it. We're like, okay. Cause we didn't know, you know, you know, a lot of stuff. I think the assumption is that we know, like, oh, we know how people are going to see this. Or we know, we didn't know, you know what I mean? So when it happened, we were like, we became aware of it because there's only but so much you can turn off social and television and not know. But once we became aware of it, it was like, oh really? That's what's going on here? All right. Well, okay. I, I, I have no problem taking on that responsibility or if that's sort of the mantle that's on our relationship. Cool. Let's let's really enjoy that. Let's let's you know deepen that the moments that we can. Let's really, you know, and it doesn't hurt that I love Sterling to death and we have a great relationship. We we both genuinely love each other. Yeah, your
1: chemistry is magnetic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that don't hurt. So (laughs) the fact
2: that we do have such a love and respect for one another and love these characters together helps it a lot. But by no means, I mean, when I tell you it couldn't be further from, the only thing I remember saying when we started, for whatever reason, when we first started back in 2016, I was binging Martin crazy before we started shooting. And I did not know why, but all I wanted to watch was Martin. And I remember saying to Sterling, when we first walked in our trailers, I knocked on his and we started talking. I said, bro, if we could do anything close to Martin and Gina, then we've done something, you know? I I remember saying that. And he was like, he was like, word, I got you. Like, you know, it's like, we just had that vibe and it was like, I don't know why. (laughs) Cause that was who that was for us, you know?
0: Y'all are my favorite black TV couple of all time. Favorite.
2: Oh, thank you.
0: Did you have any others other than like Martin and Gina that you looked to? That
2: I looked, well, you know, we didn't have a bunch to... Go through. I know <laughs> that was that. You know, when I was uh, younger, it was like Whitley and Dwayne, and and there wasn't a ton that you know it stuck in my mind as like black couple. You know what I mean? Because it may have been at a time where I was just looking at them as like the adults in the relationship or or whatever it was. But for me, those those particular couples um, felt. Like I was seeing an example of Black love and really like in my mind was knowing, oh, love, like one and another. And it was translating in my mind that way. So those were the ones that did it for me.
1: Yeah, I do want to ask a little bit of a fun question because uh, we've had such an amazing conversation about representation on television and This Is Us. But we heard through the grapevine yes we did that you are a lyricist you are a rapper you love to rap you're from (laughs) brooklyn like come on new york city so we have two little quick questions for you one top three MCs of all time
2: oh man okay dang y'all really gonna do this to me (laughs) (laughs) you know some people are like wicked lyrically like wicked and i i you know you could go i'm gonna let me do the Disclaimer, like, you know, the, the Jay-Z's and, you know, the, there's the Biggie's and the Tupac's, like, let's just put that on another. But I, I you know, Andre 3000 for me Yes, is yes. wicked. Talk
0: about it. I feel yes. like that was an immediate connection. We we're yes. friends now in real life. Susan. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that was it.
2: Wicked. And I think they're okay. And, oh man, lyrically Kendrick is dope. Lyrically, Kendrick's
1: great, but yeah,
2: but I mean, this is like on the low low, and you kind of had to. I think maybe be there in like 2007 when it was really 2007, 2008 when it was really popping off. But I remember when Lupe Fiasco first came out, and oh, I was my God. like,
1: I adore Lupe. Oh, yes,
2: like I was like, what is this lyrically? Like if you listen, and I'm a big like listen to the words person, and I was like, did he just Say what I think he said. <laughs> like he put Claire's thing together that I was like, did, yo, he like that's crazy.
1: So you're excited for this new J. Cole drop.
2: Oh, I heard the J. Cole drop. Oh. And 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 I have to say, like, Nip Hustle is is like, I'm mad that I wasn't up on that when it was really going down. But his new Jay-Z um uh joint, his new joint with Jay-Z is fire. It's a blaze. And then so good. you have um The new J. Cole that just dropped, which is, I mean, you know, I love J. Cole too. Like they are just those lyricists, like I said, you got to get, you know, put the top people aside. Cause it almost feel like if you don't say them, you don't know. They're always at the
1: top. Yeah. It just, (laughs)
2: just, that is what it is. But man, those, those are some guys that I feel like if I was in a room with them, like the inspiration to like write something phenomenal would just be like upon me,
1: like the dove (laughs) on my shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) That <laughs> came from on high. Okay, well, prepare yourself. The next time you come on our show, we're gonna ask you to spit something for us. So you have, you are <laughs> waiting. You have
2: but- Oh, man. I got it. I have it for you. So anytime, yeah.
0: <laughs> so we here's the thing: we created this table to celebrate our black faves. So you are one of our Black faces. So thank you for doing everything that oh you do. Oh my goodness, yes. Yes. Wowie! thank you. No, thank you. And before we run out of time, we just want you to brag and tell us what's next. Like tell us what we need to look out for.
2: Okay, well, the next thing I'm gonna do, I am producing uh, two projects, one of which I wrote. Ooh. And, um, and I'll, I'll leave it at that for now because I, I'd like it to be like, we're doing it right now. And then I'm back to, this is us later this year to do our sixth season.
1: Which the final season we just learned. The
2: final season, yeah. We just wrapped yesterday on season five and I'm doing the final season next season.
1: How are you feeling about it being the end? Is it time? I think, you know, after discussion
2: and, and just really knowing the vision that Dan has for it. I think, yeah, I think we we get the honor of like bringing a show to its fullness without having to kind of drag it out or do something, uh, that that would feel like it wasn't really authentic to the show. We get to like see a beginning, middle and end. And I, am really, I, I can't be anything but grateful for that. So this opportunity has been the opportunity of a lifetime, obviously, you know, the fact that I get to, to be her is like crazy, but yeah there's a there's a time and a season for everything and this this is our ending and I we are looking forward to giving you guys a season like no other. Ooh. I can feel myself crying already.
1: Well, we <laughs> cannot wait. I know. I let me buy all the Kleenex in the world now. Susan,
0: can I just tell you, you had me and my sister on the couch yesterday, crying at the end of last episode, like I tears. Was too. And I am yeah. not a crier. This is us. Had me from the
1: beginning.
2: I'm not a crier either. Trust and believe. I'm the one cast member who does not shed a tear. But like last night, that damn dance at the, he's he the on The Casey and was the, the Jojo. He yes. The
0: Casey and Jojo. <laughs> oh, yes. oh. It was, I was like the love that is there. My, I was like, don't cry for your sister, girl. I started falling.
1: <laughs> but the last question we want to wrap up with you, and it's a. We always end our episode with an iteration of this question. If you would like to wrap it, I will not be mad. But <laughs> <laughs> fill in the blank for us, Susan, please. My black is so dope because
2: my black is so dope because it's authentic. Oh,
0: yes, it is period period the end
2: (laughs) and that's on everything thank you
0: yeah that is on
1: everything that's on everything (laughs) thank you so much this has been a pleasure oh
2: thank you amira kirby this has been dope thank you guys for the seat at the table yes i like the seat (laughs) you do
1: you always have a seat at the table The Table's Ours is produced by us, Kirby Dixon and Amira Lawali. This episode was also produced by McKami Lynn and Richard White, and edited by Melissa Kaplan. Our researcher is Emma Fredericks. Our executive producers are Jesse Katz and Ted Butler. The Table's Ours was created by AE. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week!